grab your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to return back to um, the story of God next week. But one more thing we're going to do this week before we let the holidays go. And I'll do this anyway. I think it's important for a few reasons as a church, since this is bigger than me, to kind of steer our minds towards what the future looks like. So I'm going to kind of talk about that for a few minutes. We won't be long today, but just for a few minutes and, and kind of push us towards a vision or, or a thought for the future. Um, for, for a lot of the world, this is not a new year um, yet. So we're, not everybody celebrates New Year's Eve at the same time we do. I know they show clips from around the world, but the whole world doesn't work that way. Uh, China's New Year is January 22nd. Israel's New Year is September 15th. Uh, strangely enough, Egypt's New Year is September 11th. I know that means a lot to us, but uh, Saudi Arabia's is July 29th. I could go on, but, but not everybody celebrates the same calendar we do, so not everybody celebrates New Year's the same time we do. And so it's easy to say, well, it's just a calendar. It's just the next date on the calendar. It's not. It's really a paper thing. It's not a reality. It's just yesterday was yesterday. Today's today. Tomorrow will be tomorrow. There's some truth to that. But at the same time, we don't need to discredit it completely because God Himself ordained a calendar on the fourth day of creation. Before He even created man, He created a calendar. You can go look it up. He said that it's for measuring seasons and times. And then when He gave His law, especially He very clearly defined out calendar moments for holidays and celebrations and festivals and they were an opportunity to measure days to count up to these moments and then celebrate something Um, and that was straight from God it was a gift from God himself so before we totally scoff at the first day of the year or holidays or resolutions or all the bunch of things that we love to write off and scoff at there's a gift there from God a little bit in some of that all right, so that's kind of one of the things I want to think about today. Plus, as a church, we're not starting anything over today necessarily. But it's an opportunity for us to, to pause and say, as we look ahead, like as we look into the year ahead, are there changes? Is this, this is an opportunity maybe to shape our future before we go there. Like, are there some changes that we can make? Are there some things that we can do to our regular behavior that's going to create something new in our future? So for me, I always find a word. I know not everybody does that. I know Deidre does that. Uh, I've been doing it for a few years. It's helpful for me, but I'm sharing them with you. So this is the one for me, seek. I'm going to explain what I mean by that. Um, And I've already talked this through with Josh, but uh, this word has been, it's, it's not like I pick a word. It's like when I feel like God has something on my brain heavily uh in in the past rest was a word in 2021 if you were in the church courage was that word um and it played out really well in in that year uh it was obvious that that word needed to be well endowed in our minds so anyway seek is the word this time and it's probably familiar to most of you but turn to matthew 6 uh verse 33 just really looking at we may we'll look at a couple of other verses but we're only really looking at one today because this is the one in my head. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Lord, your word is your word. I say that all the time. I don't care if I'm holding a microphone, if I'm sitting in a chair, if I'm praying with Josh uh, in a back room, if I'm praying with my wife. I don't care what it is, Lord, I, where it is or how it is. If it's your word, it's your word, not mine. And I don't ever want to take that. 
um, I want you to put it in my heart. I don't want to hear from you. I want your word to speak. So again, Lord, I, I know I'm talking about a lot of things today that's more talk, I guess. But Lord, I pray that your word is heard above it all and uh, that it stays that way. Lord, I ask these things for your glory in Christ's name. Amen. So I was out last night with, uh, um, you know, several people. We were out in a crowd for a hot minute, and then we were alone. Then we were back out in the crowd again. We were around different people. and uh, But we were out with Rick and Virginia towards the end of the evening, and we were talking about different things. We got talking about games, and uh, I know Virginia's not a big board game fan. Neither am I, so we were cutting up about that a little bit. Uh, but, and I know Molly is. But I never liked board games, and I got all these friends that love to push board games on me. Like, oh, you'll love this one. Like, you'll love this one. And anybody who doesn't like games is annoyed by those people because they don't understand that when I say I don't like, that means I literally do not like. So what I want to do is say, I'll play your board game, then we're going to go play freaking full tackle football outside because I like that game, and you will enjoy it too. No, 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 we're not doing it. Yeah. So anyway, sorry, rabbit trail. The point I'm coming to is I like physical games. I like whether it's football or it's some form of physical game or I don't even care. Even when I was a kid, I didn't like board games, but I like tag, you know, or hide and seek was my favorite. Uh, we used to play a version of it called Green Ghost. Uh, you know, I'm sure everybody's got a different name for it, but that's what we called it, which was like reverse hide and seek where you go. The person goes and hides and you try to find them, but when you find them, then you try to run from them and get back to base before they tag you or anybody else. And so I loved that game. We played it all the time. It was fun to play at night. Um, but I like those kind of games, physical games that you seek something through. Uh, there is seeking that is not so fun, like when you're running really late and you cannot find your car keys anywhere, that kind of <laughs> That kind of seeking is not fun. And today I'm kind of talking about both. I'm talking about that same kind of diligently seeking, like I've got to find these keys, but in a fun way, like kids who are playing a game of seek, that kind of thing. I'm not talking about Star Trek where we're exploring the vast unknown where no man has been before, hoping we discover life somewhere. Not that thing. I'm talking more like John 15, where Jesus talks about this woman who has ten coins and she loses one in her own home. And though she has nine left, she still tears her whole house up to find the one. That, that kind of seeking. I'm talking about when you're in a young, new relationship especially, and you're already committed and you're already together, but man, you can't stop wanting to know more about the other person, where you're talking for hours on the telephone because you're just hungry to know more. So, again, I've always got sheets, and the sheet that's back there, uh, if you don't have one, you can get one on the way out or however you want to do it. But the one sentence for today, because we're certain that Jesus is alive and loves us, we want to seek him more and seek to make him known. If I sum the year up, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Because we are certain that Jesus is alive and loves us, we want to know him more and we want to seek to make him known. So most of you know there's a statement that shaped my life over the years. Uh, it's shaped how I've planted this church. It's shaped how I've done everything. It was a Hudson Taylor quote. Hudson Taylor was a missionary in the 1800s to China. And he actually used this verse. And this verse shaped his ministry. And what he observed is that the verse says, seek first the kingdom of God, not seek first the provision for the kingdom of God. 
And his understanding was that God will give it to me when I need it. And if he hasn't given it to me yet, then I'm probably not quite ready for it yet. Um, it's a dangerous way to to ministry. Uh, it's sometimes it's a really scary way, but I've, I've been shaped by that. It's changed a lot of the way that I do things. And I want to talk about, in light of that, what it looks like to seek. And then present a challenge for us going into 2023. Look back at this verse. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. I feel like too often we jump to the all these things. We go straight to the, all these things that are going to be added to me. And then we make a math problem that, okay, if I seek, then I'm going to get for me. Uh, I've done this too. And, and I know because the context is about money. It's about worrying. It's about worrying about money. It's about worrying about stuff. It's about worrying about clothes. It's about worrying about food and drink. I mean, legitimate worries. It's also about worrying about tomorrow, what's going to happen tomorrow. I got all of that. But the hinge point for all of this is seek first. That, that's the hinge point for everything. Seek first doesn't guarantee a get. It guarantees no worry. It doesn't guarantee you get anything. It guarantees no worry because what it does is it establishes trust. Okay? When you seek first the kingdom, it establishes trust. And then trust says, I'll get it when I need it. It doesn't mean all of a sudden all the food I need is going to be provided and the finances I need are going to be provided and all this stuff's just going to fall out of the It means when I need it, I'm going to get it. So how do we seek the kingdom of God? Well, first, what's the kingdom of God? Now, I'm not going to put a lot of discussion on this because we could write books on it and there's theological debates about it for days. The long and short of the kingdom of God, it is a kingdom. It is three things, a king, a people, and a place. It's Christ, his church. And heaven, or heaven on earth, both. Um, it's his rule. So, is it always Christ? Maybe. Is it always, is it, but not without his people. It's kind of all of those things. And I'm not spending all that time. That's not what I'm really after. What I'm more interested in is the seek side of things. The how, not the what. How do we seek? So, the word's recorded here in Greek. But it's likely that Jesus spoke it in Hebrew or Aramaic. Um, and we're reading it in English. So let me give you what the three words mean. It's one word, but the three different translations. So Greek is the one that's written. Zeteo is the word. All right. In Greek, it means to look or to desire. To look or to desire. That's what it means to seek. To try and get someone's desires. Like, I want that, so I want to get it. In Hebrew, uh, it's bakasho. It means to to deliver or to discover, excuse me, or to attempt to possess. And I like this. I like this really good. This is what, it, what it, the, the weight of the Hebrew word is, to call on and consult with. And, and it literally, the root word means to earnestly try to encounter the presence of a deity, specifically aimed at God, often involving requests or petitions for experience. Man, that's good. Like, I'm begging for the experience of God. That's what that word means in Hebrew. In English, it means to attempt to find or desire to obtain or achieve something or ask something from someone. That's a good way to look at it. But I think the Hebrew gives a reason I'm giving you all a Hebrew Greek lesson is because the two of them together paint a really good picture of what I think this word means and what it's going to mean for us. In the Hebrew, it carries the strongest understanding of the objective. 
So the objective is earnestly trying to encounter the presence of God. That's what that definition in Hebrew, it seek means we're earnestly trying to experience God when we come here. Uh, the seek in Greek carries the strongest understanding of the action of it. So what I mean by that is it's a verb. So in the Greek, it tells you that it, listen to me, bear with me, it's present, active, imperative, second person. Now that sounds like a bunch of who cares, but hold on. It really is a cool thing. Present means that you are to be seeking every moment that is the present. So when is the present? All the time. If you're breathing and alive, even if you're not breathing, that's still the present. <laughs> you know, the present is always the present. So you should always be seeking. It is active, which means you have to choose to do it. You can't just expect it's going to happen. It has to be something you actively do presently all the time. And then it's imperative, which means it's a command. It's not a suggestion. It's God saying you, you, you must do this. Jesus actually saying that. And second person just means you. You must do this. Like, it's not something that God's just going to come reward you with. He might give you clothes and food, but he's not going to reward you with seeking him. That's something that you have to do. Plural means it applies because it is a plural word. It applies to many, not one. So he's not aiming this at Peter. He's aiming this at a group of people. In fact, what he's doing is Jesus is addressing a whole crowd and he's given this statement. This is that 5,000, this big crowd. He's addressing this big crowd, but he's given a command to those who follow him, his disciples. So the way he's saying this like this, I know you all have a lot of needs. I know you all have a lot of needs, clothes, all these things. And then he almost looks at his 12, but you, but you seek first the kingdom of God. He goes on to say in Matthew chapter 7, the verse is up here, but he says in verse 7, same, same discussion, different chapter, but it's the same moment. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you for everybody, everybody, everybody who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. So there's a reward for it. All of those words, ask, seek, knock, are the same. Present, active, imperative, second person. It's the same thing. Always, so in other words, a better translation is be asking, always. Be seeking, always. And if you are seeking always and asking always, you will find. Well, if I find, I can stop seeking, right? No. That changes the word. The word still means seeking. But what you're finding is a kingdom. You're part of it. And there's more to that. There's always more to know. A couple of other biblical examples of it. We, we, we just came through these guys. The wise men, right? We didn't talk about them. But the wise men, these guys, what do they do? They leave their land, their place, and they travel from Babylonia, 500 plus miles away, all the way to Israel because of what? They saw a star, right? They saw a star and they studied the heavens. They knew the star was unusual. Not only that, I believe they had, they were disciples of Daniel. We'll talk about that later. But I firmly believe that they knew some of the things Daniel had said about the coming Messiah. And they put the star with the teachings of Daniel and the timeline. And they were like, man, this, there's a king in Israel. What, 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 what more do they know? I don't know. They don't really know more, but they sacrificed the time and it would have been time. 500 miles 
plus by camel and whatever else. I mean, it, it would have been time. It would have been money, to say the least, um, to get there. They sacrificed all that seeking. It cost something for them to do it. They took action. It cost something. Daniel, we'll talk about Daniel's life a little bit, but you look at Daniel's life. This guy was a prayer machine. Like, even when it meant you're going to get fed to lions if you do it alive, he still did it. And we made the lion's den a children's story, which it is in some degree, but it's not at all. He was a meal in a very serious way to starving lions. And yet he went straight and hit his knees and prayed in a very public way. And he faced the lions for that. We know the story. We'll talk about it later. But that's not all. There were other times where he prayed and fasted for weeks at a time. Even It's even called mourning. Like the the burden and the weight of the time he spent in prayer and fasting, just trying to understand what God was trying to tell him. And he saw angels came to us. Gabriel came one time, came to respond to him uh, into his prayers. But now he 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 was weighty in his prayer. Jesus said this in Matthew five, same conversation uh, where Jesus is saying what we're reading. He says in verse six. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they'll be satisfied. That's the words. Hunger, thirst. That's seeking. Like at, Hunger is not pleasant. You know what I'm saying? It's not suffering. You're not necessarily saying suffering, but you're on the edge of discomfort at the least. Nobody wants to be hungry. Thirsty is the same thing. Nobody wants to be thirsty, but he's saying you're creating hunger and thirst. Thirst for this, for this kingdom, for this righteousness, for this thing. So for us, let's, let's, and I know this is short and I intended it that way, but we're going to bring this quickly. Um, for us, what's that going to look like with seeking? Well, the church is his kingdom on earth. We're talking about the kingdom of God. I can tell you right now, the church is his kingdom on earth. There's people that want to debate that. I'm fine with that debate because you're wrong. It's not, it's not true. His church is a kingdom. That's the point of the church is to be the visible, active, present image of his kingdom to come that's on the earth. We're an, an outpost of what that kingdom is going to look like one day when he returns. So seeking first his kingdom is ultimately, intimately connected to the church family. It is, period. His church growing should always be the result of seeking him. It should be. His church growing should always be the result of seeking him. It should always grow his kingdom and his righteousness by seeking it first. It should, excuse me, by seeking it first, it should always grow disciples. It should always grow the church. It should happen. So rather than, this is for us, so rather than, this is what I've been waiting with, rather than seeking all the ways that we can get people to come to church, not that we're not going to do that. We'll do things. I'm not saying that. We'll have a Super Bowl party. We'll do things. Uh, we'll put some signs up. We'll, put, we'll make some flyers and some handouts and some tools for you to invite people. But that's not a priority for me whatsoever. Rather than focusing on these are the things we're going to do to get people to come, what we're going to do to get people to come is we're going to seek the king. You know, we're, we're going to seek the king the whole year. And I'm committing to this, and I'll give you ways too, but I'm committing to this, and I'm going to repeat this and reinforce this over and over. We're going to seek the king. Rather than seeking provision for growing the church, we're going to seek the kingdom. We're going to look for the king and ask him to grow the church. So 
these are on the sheets, but what are we, I, I wrote them down. What are we seeking? How are we seeking it? What are we hoping for? What's the action? Real quick, what are we seeking? Just like the word says, we want to encounter and experience God. Don't you? I do. I love y'all, man. I love y'all, but we can meet over a stake somewhere. I don't, I don't have to meet here just to hang out with y'all. I want you here. It's not the same without you here, but I'm here together with you because I want to experience God. And I want others to come here expecting to experience God. So what we are seeking is to encounter the presence of Christ. How are we seeking him? Well, just like it said, with petitions, with requests, with prayer, with fasting. I mean, whatever it takes for us to communicate with God and, and get his heart. You know what I'm saying? Prayer, fasting, how, hunger, creating hunger, creating thirst. Uh, what do we want? What are we hoping for? What are we asking for? What do we want to grow? Um, as disciples, individually, personally, and as a church, we want to do that. We want to see the church grow spiritually we want to see the church grow and connect in the community more. Uh, we want to see the community begin to embrace the church because the community knows the church is here for them. We want to see growth there. We want to see people come. It's not nothing, it's nothing to be ashamed. We don't count numbers. I turn no numbers into anyone. I don't even count them until this very second because I made myself aware. I don't even know how many people are sitting here at the moment. All right? I don't ever count. So because I'm not making a trophy out of that for me. This is for me now. I'm not not preaching against anybody else. For me, I'm not making a trophy out of it. But we want people to come, don't we? It's more fun when there's people here. It's more fun when it's loud. It's okay for that to be the case. There's nothing wrong with it being fun and that being something that draws you to church. But we most importantly want people to feel like this is a place where they can experience the Lord. You know? And so we want that to happen. We want it to grow financially so we can do more for the community, too. We want all of these things, okay? So, action. What do we do? So, this is coming to the point. What do we do? Well, this is what I've asked myself. I'm going to ask you guys, too. What can we put aside in our lives in order to seek Him more in the year ahead? Now, I'm not being cliche about this, and I'm not being simple about it. I mean, in your life, what can you commit to sacrifice literally not spiritually or figuratively, literally, for the purpose, for the purpose of, not just to say, well, I'm not going to eat meat, you know, or I'm not going to be, I, I got to quit eating meat or it's going to kill me. You know what I'm saying? That, that's, that doesn't count. I'm talking about what can you put aside for the purpose of seeking the presence of Christ in your life and in the life of this church. It's not just you I'm talking about here. I'm talking about this church. Like, what can you put aside? Is it time? I'm going to, I don't have time, but I'm going to make, no matter what, from now on, X amount of time, and I'm going to hit my face, and I'm going to pray. Time yourself some, time yourself sometimes, by the way. Get on your knees, actually physically if you can, get on your knees somewhere on a couch or whatever, and pray, and start a timer, and see how long you can pray for it, and, and remain somewhat focused. I know your brain wanders, but wander and come back, wander and come back, whatever you got to do, but see how long you can do it. And intentionally pray. It's probably going to shock you how short your time span is with being able to do that. And I say that as one right there with you. So let's maybe say we're going to extend that. I'm going to make it 10 minutes. What is 10 minutes in a whole day? 
but we're going to focus on praying for this church to grow. Take, get people's names if you need to. Take, you want to know what to pray for? Take time and just go one name at a time. That'll take a few minutes. You know, however you want to do it, pray. We've done this before in the small group. Get the streets, names of the streets. Pray for the streets by name. I don't care how you do it, but think about maybe extending your prayer time. Maybe it's sleep. Maybe you're like, well, I already pray a pretty good bit. Well, okay, maybe I'm going to give up sleep and intentionally get up earlier or stay up later. I'm not the guy that says you have to get up in the morning. I'm going to stay up later or I'm going to do whatever. I'm going to give up some sleep. I don't know. It's got to be a sacrifice, though, is my point. And I'm going to repeat this. This is not just for the ones sitting here. This is going to be said over. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's saying, I'm going to put money into this church, and it's going to be a little more than I have in the past or what I want to do. And I'm doing that for the purpose of seeing God's presence grow in this church. Because it's not about God needs your money. No, of course he doesn't. But it's about you sacrificing it. Saying, I'm letting go of it. In, as somebody might fast and let go of food, I'm letting go of it. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's fasting. Maybe you say once a week, twice a month. I don't know. Whatever you say, I'm going to skip food for two days. You've got to make it a stretch. Skipping a meal doesn't count. Uh, not eating uh, potatoes doesn't count. You know what I'm saying? It has to be something that pushes you out of your zone. And I, this is me now. I'm just saying. You can give up TV or you can give up something like that if you want. That's fine. That's not fasting. But that might be a sacrifice for you. So I'm not going to say it's wrong to do that. Don't call it fasting, though. Fasting is food. It's always been food. It will always be food. It is a necessity. That's the point. Is you're saying, without this, I cannot live. I will physically die without this. But for a period of time, I'm going to trust that you'll keep me alive. Fasting, if it's really taken seriously, is an extreme action. So you can give up some things. I don't have a problem with that. Just don't mistake it as fasting. Um, and what we're asking for is in 2023, we want to see more people come. I'm not kidding. We can measure that, not counting them, but we can see growth. We can say, man, God's responding. So that's why I said when I came in and there's barely anybody here, it's actually kind of cool because now we can start from day one, right? Like this. And we can say, okay, God, let's do this and start to see what happens as God grows, uh, the church and more investment. I want to see not just financially, but I'm talking about, I want to see more people want this church to grow like not just come but like man we want to see a church grow here what can we do to make that happen hey i play an instrument man come see Deidre. let's get you on the stage you know what i'm saying I, I want to buy in i want to be part of this i want to do whatever um to make it grow and then the biggest one of all is making disciples i want to see more and more people actively discipling other people we got to get people in here who are disciples. And I want to see, all most of you guys in here are, as far as I can tell. I want to see that become a focus, as it always has been, but more of a focus of saying, man, we got more people coming, let's disciple them. Make disciples out of them so they can make disciples out of other people. So I'm pretty much there, but before I walk away from this, there's one more thing that's very important to note. Look back at the verse one more time, Matthew 5.20. doesn't end with the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. It doesn't end there. It says, and what? His righteousness. It doesn't say seek to be righteous. It doesn't say seek righteousness. It says seek his 
righteousness. Because the fact is, his kingdom, his provision, his peace, his growth, his presence, all of that stuff's impossible without his righteousness. If you don't have that, it's not, not, none of this is even doable. None of this is even doable. What does that mean? Matthew 5, verse 20, Jesus says in the same discussion again, I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you're never going to enter the kingdom of God. What's he saying there? The scribes and Pharisees were considered the perfect ones. They knew all the word. They had the word memorized. They kept the law. And Jesus is telling everybody in the crowd, unless you're better than them, basically saying it's impossible. You can't be righteous enough to get into heaven. Second Corinthians 5.21, Paul wrote, For our sake God made him, Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. It's the great exchange. We get his righteousness. He takes our sin. Just let that hit you a minute. He takes our sin. We put on his righteousness. Philippians 3.8, Paul said this, Indeed, I count everything. As loss because of the surpassing worth. He's talking about all his accolades, all his, his wisdom, all his genius, all his everything. I count it all as garbage um, for knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things counted as rubbish, garbage in order that I may gain Christ. He already knows Christ, but he's saying the opportunity to have more of him and to be found in him. I love that. To be found in him. In Christ, not having a righteousness of my own. That's our key. He did, it's, not, it's not my righteousness that comes from keeping the law or, or comes from being obedient and all that. But it comes from faith in Christ, the righteousness that's from God that depends on faith. So seeking his righteousness means responding to the gospel. First and foremost, before you encourage others to do it, you have to respond to the gospel. You have to say, I'm not good enough. I know I'm not good enough. I'll never be good enough. It's not in me to be good enough. But you were. But you were. Before we ever sought him, he sought us. You know what I'm saying? And he didn't seek me because of some seminary degree or some pastoral what calling. or any, He didn't seek me for any of that. He sought me as a drug addict. He sought me as a unfaithful husband you know he sought me as a cruddy dad that's how he sought me and and that would be amazing if he sought me and he just rescued me and said man let me just give you a job and let me give you some clothes let me just make that drug addiction go away no man he sought me and then said let me take all of that and i'm going to climb up on this piece of freaking wood and i'm gonna let the enemy nail me to it for you and you can have my robe like that is the gospel and and if you start there if you say jesus that's what i want like that's what i want if you start there if we all start there and you confess with your mouth that he is Lord, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. If that's where we start, then I want to hit our knees and say, all right, for the, forever. But we're going to focus on 2023. Going into this year, we're going to mark the day and say, Lord, let, we're going to hit our knees however we need to do it. And we want you to hear us and grow this church for your glory. You know what I'm saying? 
That's where I'm at today. Why don't you come back? We got another song, I'm sure. But uh, I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll jump right back in. Uh, Let me go ahead and pray. God, your word. I know I say it, but it's just I don't can't. I, I feel like I should think of another word, but awesome is the word that always comes to mind. It is like we're reading basically one sentence. One word within one sentence, and it carries so much weight when it came from your mouth. Um, Lord, help us be faithful with your word. Help us be um, responsible with it. But God, I pray especially right now that you help us. This group that's here, the beauty of the moment, I know there's few people, but the beauty of the moment, Lord, is that these people that are here today, we're all close. We're all family. Help us, Lord, take this opportunity on day one of 2023. To begin a process of seeking you. That you may grow this church. I can put all the signs up. I can put fireworks. We can have pizza parties. And uh, jump jump houses out front. And, and, and whatever else we can possibly think of. Canvas the neighborhood with flyers. And all those kind of things. Everything I can come up with. That, that we think will make a church grow. And maybe it will. Uh, I don't know. But I, I do know Lord that that's not what I want to do. What I want to do is seek you. I want you to make your church grow. Lord, I, I, I can't brag that I found you and I came to you and I got my life straight and then we started this whole church. I can't do that. You came to me. And I believe, Lord, wholeheartedly if this church is going to grow, it's going to grow because you come to others. And you draw them here. We have a role to invite people, to make people welcome. We have a role to take the gospel to people, to share it with people, to make disciples, to pull people here. We have the role to do that. But but the attraction, Lord, it has to be you. You have to draw them here. And and I pray, God, now on day one from as we kick this off, I, I pray, God, that you would hear our prayers. That you would be present first for us. Because we're here to be with you. That you would be present here for us. And then, Lord, that you would draw people to your presence. That you would save people and you would grow this church. Lord, we love you. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.